Thanks for joining us for another great message from Influences Church Australia. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, blesses you and brings you joy. For more information about our church, go online to influences.church. And now for our message. If you have your Bibles, you want to turn to Acts 8. I'm talking from verse 4. It's one of my favorite stories in the New Testament about Philip. Acts 8, verse 4, it says, Although the believers were scattered by persecution, they preached the wonderful news of the word of God wherever they went. Philip traveled to a Samaritan city and preached to them the wonderful news of the anointed one. The crowds were eager to receive Philip's message and were persuaded by the many miracles and wonders he performed. Many demon-possessed people were set free and delivered as evil spirits came out of them with loud screams and shrieks. And many who were lame and paralyzed were also healed. This resulted in uncontainable joy filling the city. Tonight, I wanna talk about uncontainable joy filling a city. What would Adelaide look like if uncontainable joy filled this city? If a move of God was so strong that joy went through every street, every school, every university, through all the government, what would this nation look like if Adelaide got touched with an uncontainable joy? Many people have theories about revival, but really, when you really look into it, revival is just bringing the dead to life. It's bringing heaven to earth. It's reviving what was always here on earth and bringing an uncontainable joy that fills every area of the city. Did you know there are prophecies over Australia over 100 years ago that the greatest move of God that the world will ever see start in Australia, that it won't start in one place, but it will just spread out and go everywhere before the coming of the Lord. It is a prophecy and a promise for us in this land. So what would it look like, a joy filling a city? First off, God uses the hungry. He used Philip. You know, Philip wasn't the chosen three. He wasn't the preacher. He didn't preach on Pentecostal Sunday. In fact, he was put in charge of hospitality. In Acts 6, they made him deal with the widows. There was all this admin stuff, hospitality going around, you know, issues, and they were like, Philip, just deal with it. So Philip was that. He was the one who came early, set up, packed down, put the coffee cups out. He wasn't qualified. He wasn't the qualified one to preach to thousands. He didn't go up the mountain with the other two and see all this stuff. He was just hungry for God. God is not looking for the qualified. He's looking for the hungry. He's looking for those that are faithful with the little. Philip must have been so faithful with what God gave. He thought, I'm gonna use this man to bring revival to a city. And then persecution happened, and it made them all spread out. You know, sometimes God will put you in a, yeah, you, a situation will happen where you're in a difficult situation, but it just positions you for a revival. It positions you for a breakthrough. It positions you for what God has for you. So when times get hard, when you feel like you're in danger, when you can't see the light, get ready. You might be getting ready for a move of God to expand or to change or to switch your mindset. God might be using your difficulty to set you up for a move of God. You know, there's a guy named John G. Lakes. I don't know if you've heard of him. He was the greatest healing revivalist the world has ever known. He lived a very hard life of difficulty. He had 15 siblings. Huh, his, his mom, hello, you know, hero, hello. I've had two, 15. But sadly, eight of them died. You imagine going to eight of your siblings' funerals? He lived with sickness and with death 
One time his sister was sick and he had enough and he was so angry. He said he began to fight the death in the spirit and she lived. His wife was dying and he was so determined that the enemy would not steal her from his family. He went into battle and prayer for her life and she lived. The story spread throughout everywhere and that began his revival ministry. He says, no words of mine can convey to another soul the cry that was in my heart and the flame of hatred for death and sickness that the spirit of God had stirred within me. The very wrath of God seemed to possess my soul. Difficulty stirred him to go to war on the devil. He didn't blame God. He was so hungry for God. John G. Lakes was responsible for raising over a million converts, 625 churches, 1,250 preachers in five years of ministry. Deadly plagues died in his hand. We need him here in COVID. Hello. He had such an incredible healing ministry that according to statistics, Spokane, Washington, where he did these um, healing rooms was the healthiest city in America. What if that happened in Adelaide? What if you started healing rooms or miracles or they started to come to your campus, to your city, and that like people just got healed and Adelaide became known as the healthiest city in Australia. We gotta get hungry for God and we gotta let our difficulty position us for a move of God. Number two, signs and miracles backed up the word. See, the crowds were eager to receive Philip's message because they saw miracles and wonders. He didn't just preach a good motivating sermon. Signs and wonders backed it up. People got set free, people got healed when he spoke. To reach a city, we gotta collectively carry the power of the Holy Spirit within us. Yeah, Catherine Coleman is an amazing hero of mine. After World War II, she prophetically reintroduced the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit to the church. It kind of had died down. Countless miracles took place. Most from, she didn't even pray. She would get up on stage, you know, and she would just, if you see her with her flowing little dress. And people would get healed. They would just get healed like that. She says this, the only limit to the power of the Almighty God lies within you and me, did you hear that? You're the only limit to the power of the Holy Spirit, how much he works in you. When you go to work and someone is sick, do you go, here's a Panadol, or do you go, let me pray for you because the power of the Holy Spirit is in me and I'm gonna pray that headache goes away. When your child comes to you and says, I'm so afraid, do you go, oh, you poor darling, or go, you tell that spirit of fear to leave your house in Jesus' name. You tell that spirit of fear to leave your room in the name of of Jesus, we gotta use the power of the Holy Spirit. We gotta walk in signs and miracles. You know, we teach our uh, young people about the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm always talking about the power of the Holy Spirit to them. And uh, we were teaching them that when you speak in the language of the Holy Spirit, you actually download the mind of Christ, wisdom down into you. So I make my kids speak in the language of the Holy Spirit on the way to school, and especially my youngest son, you need it. Come on. You know, we speak all the way there. Anyway, one of our young people, he had a learning disability and uh, he was having real trouble at school and he was in an exam and he was looking at the questions and he couldn't understand it and he's sitting there and he just can't get it. Then he remembered at youth that we taught about the power of the Holy Spirit and that we taught that you can download wisdom. So in the middle of his exam, he started going, he laid hands on exam. He started speaking in the language of the Holy Spirit. Suddenly, things started to click in his brain. He suddenly understood what was doing. He did the exam and he aced it. And the teachers can't even understand why, because he has a learning disability. That is the power of the Holy Spirit. Signs and wonders will follow them. 
Number three, when a joy hits a city, the entire city benefits. The result of a move of God in Samaria was uncontainable joy filling the city. It didn't just keep to the church, not just for the Christians. It impacted every part of the city. Schools were impacted. Media is impacted. Influencers are impacted. Health is impacted. Families are impacted. The divorce rate goes down. Crime is impacted. The smut of the world is impacted. You know, they lose their business. Sporting arenas, they have to change their date so it fits the church when the joy of the world, um, when the joy hits the city. You know, Charles Finney, he's the most famous revivalist who uh, impacted America. He's the one they say that brought America back uh, into becoming a Christian nation. When religion was dying, he revived the gospel and he unified the America with prayer. The, the revival he is known for is Rochester, New York in September 1830. This revival touched every social class. They said civic doctors, school teachers, farmers, migrants, bars closed down, crime rates dropped dramatically and stayed low for a year. Revival hit the high schools. Hundreds of ministers came out of that season. The whole city was stirred. Faith was the topic of every conversation in shops, offices, on the streets. The local theater closed down. The circus turned into a soap factory, I'm not sure. Um, why that is. Maybe it was the Netflix of the day, I'm not sure. Shops closed on Sundays and everyone honored the day of the Lord. 100,000 people got saved between September 1830 and March 1831, six months, 100,000. In fact, years later, they did a research to see where those 100,000 were and 85% of them were still saved, still serving in church. They said this revival spread like fire across the U.S., that every church in the U.S. grew by a third, and they put it to this revival. Charles Finney says, if the presence of God is in the church, the church will draw the world in. If the presence of God is not in the church, the world will draw the church out. What would Adelaide look like? if it was filled with uncontainable joy, if it impacted the entire city that the AFL had to change its schedule to meet your schedule. Oh, come on, what would high schools look like and marriages and hospitals and the media and the universities? Number four, we gotta build on the city's spiritual inheritance. Build on the city's spiritual inheritance. See, spiritual inheritance is passed on to you. you. You don't have to buy it. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to reinvent it. It's just there for you to take. So whatever happened in the past, it is your, in your city, it's the platform for you to jump on. See, Philip really just built on the city's spiritual inheritance. Jesus came there a few chapters earlier in John 4, met a woman at the well had a conversation, went back to the city. In two days, there was revival in the city. There was a history of revival in that area. Philip just came and picked up the baton and carried it on. Study the move of God of the past in this city. It will give you an indication of what has already been won for you, your inheritance for you to take on and build. It's like technology. They never reinvent the phone and start from the beginning. They always build on what has been discovered. They've done it with cars. They've done it with electricity. We always build on what has been learned or what we have um, you know, invented over the years. It's the same with revival. It's the same with God. You gotta look at what this city has done. Whatever it has, what, whoever has brought, um, who's won territory in this city, that, that is your platform. That, that is where you start from because they've already won ground for you. Let me tell you about Adelaide. 
I'm jealous of Adelaide. I went to a city where there's no revival history, but you guys, oh my gosh, I was reading you this afternoon going, this is so unfair, but you know, praise God, I'm gonna just deliver it to you with an unjealous heart. <laughs> you have a rich heritage of Adelaide. It's according to your state library, you should read this. South Australia was distinctive because unlike other Australian colonies, it was established by godly men and women on a religious basis. History says the colony was founded on the principles of religious and political liberty. During the 19th century, Christians worked hard, and these weren't pastors, these were laymen just like you, worked hard at spreading the gospel on horseback, paddle steamer, bicycles, camel buggies, in the bush, farmhouses, stone chapels, and cathedrals. By the first decade of Adelaide being established in 1846, over half of the city's population were attending church. And there was such a demand for more church buildings, thus became the statement, the city of churches. Or what I'd like to say, the city of the presence of God. That is your, imagine, you've, or, someone's already won that for you, half the city. Half the city's already won, but it doesn't stop there. 1881, Matthew Barnett, he came in, Burnett. And he was, they say he was the most successful evangelist in Australian history because he won more first-time decisions for Christ. In December 27, he writes and reports that he delivered over 500 sermons. He saw 8,000 people sign a pledge um, to stop alcohol because apparently it was just destroying the communities back then and saw thousands of conversions in South Australia in one year. That's your inheritance. From 1836 to 1915, school, Sunday school enrollments far exceeded those of day schools. This is your inheritance. Then in 1922, Smith Wigglesworth came to Adelaide. This is what he says about the campaigns. Crowds are being saved night by night and the healings were consistent. May 1959, Billy Graham came to Adelaide. He spent two weeks here running a series of rallies and meetings. They were the biggest evangelistic meetings ever held in Adelaide at the Wayville I think I said that right, showgrounds. Billy Graham spoke, listen to it, 60,000 people on the first night. That is your inheritance. 250,000 over the, the whole time he was here. The State Library records for many individuals it was the greatest spiritual event of their lives. Here's a fun fact for you, the Oval, where I'm staying at the moment, you know your Oval Stadium, that seat's 53,500. You've already won. You already have it. It's just, what if all-ins had to be there? Because it was just too big. Like you've already won it. it, someone's already grabbed that territory. Like you've just gotta take it. It is an inheritance there for you for the taking. And then in 1922, Reverend Richard Marks, your pastor's great-great-uncle, pulled together a small group of Pentecostal believers to become a church after Smith Wigglesworth's trip to Adelaide, and so was birthed this church 99 years ago. It was birthed in revival. That is your inheritance. 1983, you opened the largest church building in the city of churches. That's what the media said about this place. And from this church, incredible ministers and ministries have been birthed, and you have touched the entire globe. You really are an influencing church. But that is your inheritance. That is what you have to say. And we declare, do it again, God. Do it again. Do it again. 
The revivalists of yesterday have paid the price and smashed the lid on salvations and on healings, and all you have to do is stand on their shoulders and take ground for the next generation. That is your inheritance. And lastly, you gotta teach the next generation. You gotta teach the next generation. Um, there's a very sad story in 2 Kings 4 about Elisha and the widow. Elisha goes to this widow and she has nothing and he says, you know, go get your jar and, and um, oil begins to be filled in the jars. In verse, uh, chapter 2 Kings 4, verse 5, it says, she left him and shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there's not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. I was reading that one time and I felt the Lord say, who stopped the oil? I said, oh, there were no more jars, Lord. And he said, mm -mm. the sun stopped the oil. The sun wasn't taught to think outside the box. Hey, let's fill up the bath, mom. Let's get our boots, mom. Let's do some, let's just grab our, our clothes and just make it into it. Like, come on, mom, we can keep going. He told his mom, oh, there's no more and it stopped. We've got to teach the next generation how to keep the oil growing, how to think outside the box. I loved Psalm 78, which was said today, uh, tonight, to tell the next generation, you need to teach the next generation the history of their inheritance. They need to understand it, then you need to inspire them for the future. We gotta teach them to carry the inheritance that you fought for them, because the enemy is out to kill, steal, and destroy their inheritance. He is in this city, Adelaide, it is so desperate for joy. And it's amazing that this church is so full of joy. That's what I felt as soon as I worked, walked in on Friday. But here are some statistics about Adelaide from uh, 2018. Around one in five people are reported to have mental um, sickness or behavioral condition. Almost one in eight people report at, were reported as having anxiety and one in 10 suffering depression. This city, needs joy. This city needs what is in here, needs to go out there. And it doesn't need the qualified, it needs the hungry, it needs the Phillips, it needs you. It doesn't just need Pastor Josh, it needs everybody in the room to say, I will carry this, I will carry this uncontainable joy to my church, I mean to my campus, to my house, to my school, to my university, I will carry it with me. History tells us that revivalists were called at all ages. There's no such thing as a junior Holy Spirit. Where are the revivalists of this generation to bring the joy to this city? I wanna ask you to stand in this place. You know, Charles Spurgeon said this quote, when I read it, I thought, wow, this is this church. It says, in every church where there is really the power of the Spirit of God, the Lord will cause it to be spread abroad, more or less. He never means that a church should be like a nut shut up in a shell, nor like ointment enclosed in a box. The precious perfume of the gospel must be poured forth to sweeten the air. That's this church. You have touched nations. Only heaven will tell of how many people have been touched through the birthing of this church. But it doesn't stop. That is your platform. Come on, in this season, you gotta stand on your platform because God wants more for Adelaide. Come on, God wants more for Adelaide. 
God wants those stadiums filled in Jesus' name. God wants joy so that those statistics no more. Hey, did you hear about Adelaide? Oh, that's the city of joy. Man, if you go there, it's like joy just hits you. There's like something that just comes over you. I don't know what it is, but it's like this thing in the atmosphere. What is in this church, in this auditorium now, needs to go out. And it will only go out with you carrying it. You're the one who's gonna carry it. Not the pastors, not the team. It's you that go decide, you know what? I'm gonna walk in signs and wonders. Yeah, I'm just the usher. Hey, you're just the usher? You're just the usher? No, 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 no. You are a person that's carrying the power of the Holy Spirit in you. All you gotta do is say, God, use me. Use me, give me prophetic words. When you have people come to you and they're like complaining to you, don't just vent and agree back. Give a prophetic word to them and say, you know what, God said this. Be bold because the enemy has done everything he can to shut the church up. We're so scared of offending or talking or getting criticized and it's muted us but your inheritance declares there is more for this church. There is more for the city of Adelaide. It was birthed in revival and revival it shall be in Jesus' name. I pray this sermon has blessed you, encouraged you and inspired you. You know, we may never have met, I may not know you, but God knows you. And I'll tell you today, God loves you. That even before you knew about Him, He loved you. And He has a plan and a purpose for your life. You know, so many of us do life on our own, trying to lead our life in a way that finds answers and finds the peace and finds the joy we're looking for, but we come up short. But God knew that you needed rescuing, that you needed saving, that you needed His love. So He sent His Son, Jesus, to come and pay the price for our mistakes. He lived a perfect life, but knowing we couldn't, He said, I will take their place. So He died and rose again so that His death could pay the penalty for my mistakes in my past and His life could make a way so that I could have life. I believe that when you believe in what Jesus did and when you invite Him to be Lord of your life, you can experience forgiveness, peace, hope, joy, purpose and life like you've never known before. It's not about what we've done or who we're not. It's about that we have a God who's good, who can turn things for good and loves you. He's a father, he's a friend, and you can invite him into your life today by simply saying this prayer after me. I'm gonna say this prayer and wherever you are, wherever you're watching around the world, pray this prayer with me. Maybe you once knew God and you walked away. You know what, maybe he's getting your attention today to say, come back into relationship with me. Maybe you've known religion, but never a real genuine relationship with God. Why don't you say this prayer too? And I believe this can be the beginning of a great new day. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for loving me and giving your life for me. I pray you forgive me for my past and you walk with me into my tomorrow. Let me know your grace, your forgiveness, your peace, your purpose, your joy and your hope into my life. I ask you to lead me and guide me from this day forward. Be Lord of who I am in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm so glad you prayed that prayer today. I believe that as you did, the peace, the grace, and the love of God comes into your life. You know what? The past is real, but it doesn't have to dictate your future. Let the love, the grace, and the Word of God go with you from this day forward. And I believe the best days are ahead for you. 
If you prayed this prayer or you want to know more, maybe you're on the journey, why don't you flick us an email so we can send you some material about following Jesus. We can maybe connect you with a local church near you that you can do life with, get good people around you, and we would love to pray with you. I'm so glad you prayed that prayer. I'm so glad you're on the journey of following Jesus. I'm so glad you listened today. God bless.